Today is Monday, September 13th, 2021. My name is Benny Johnson. Here are three stories you must know about today to be informed. Now, our first story of the day, Joe Biden humiliated this weekend, booed at the September 11th memorial events by families of survivors. He was punked by little kids in MAGA hats, and he humiliated the presidency by acting like a total goofball on the solemn day. On the other hand, Donald Trump, well, Donald Trump was welcomed like a conquering hero by first responders, firefighters, and police officers on Ground Zero, and by fans at a boxing match. We'll have all the footage and audio for you of these amazing events. Second story, the California recall, Larry Elder versus Gavin Newsom, David versus Goliath, well, David's got a shot in the sling. Gavin Newsom has got to be worried about this. Rose McGowan, a Hollywood starlet and an impressive person coming out against Gavin Newsom with some bombshell revelations. We have all of that for you. And the hate crime against Larry Elder. We have updates on Larry Elder getting attacked in the streets of Los Angeles. Our third story for today, a bombshell investigation by the New York Times dropped in the middle of the blackout time for the news cycle because they knew it would embarrass Joe Biden so much. There is no evidence that Joe Biden killed an ISIS fighter and an ISIS bomb maker when he droned that house in Afghanistan, the last U.S. airstrike in Afghanistan, the most humiliating thing Joe Biden has done in Afghanistan. And that's Guys, that's a long list there. My name is Benny Johnson. This is 100% independent news and information. Thank you so much for listening to The Benny Show. Let's get into it. I'm a dog guy. I like dogs. I grew up with Labradors. A number of Labradors. We were raised in a rural environment in Iowa. We had... Uh, quite a few acres. Iowa, there's a lot of land. There's a lot of farmland. We were surrounded by farms. That's where I grew up. That's where I sort of broke some bones and cut my teeth, as they say. And beside me was my trusty Labrador Dutch. My trusty Labrador and I would go tearing off through the woods. Love that dog. What a beautiful thing to raise kids with dogs. I plan on raising my kids with dogs. But I don't like little dogs. I don't like little yappy dogs, little um, chihuahuas, essentially like bred with rats. And they, you know, they, they, they created this whole breed of little dogs. I'm going to get so much hate for this. But I don't like those little yippy dogs. They're not my style. It's fine. It's not my style. Some people's style, at least you're not a cat person, okay? So if you're not a cat person, it, 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 then at least we can be friends. Um but get a big dog, right? If you're an American, get yourself a big dog. Nonetheless, the little yippy dogs are the ones that can be trained to do goofy stuff, right? You get a big old Labrador, can't really be trained to do goofy things. It can be trained to hunt and get a bird, right, that you've shot out of the sky. The little yippy dogs can do silly stuff like walk on their back two legs. I have a friend that has a little dog that can walk on his back two legs. Now, what does that dog do that for? Well, a treat. Right, it does it for a treat, but it walks on its back two legs, and it just looks so awkward when it does that. It looks so strange when you watch a dog who's not supposed to do this walk on its back two hind legs. It looks uncomfortable. It's wobbly. You're scared it will fall over. It often does. The dogs only do that for a treat. They do it for nub nub. They do it for a little treat. Right? My friend has a little a little biscuit 
that the dog walks on his back two legs for. So why am I telling you this long story? When you see something, when you see an animal that is not supposed to be in the position it's in, and it's just sort of going through the motions in order to get the treat, what you watch is this like sort of abomination of nature. The dogs look so silly when they're walking on their back two legs. This is the equivalency of the Biden presidency. Biden looks silly. He doesn't look natural as president. He doesn't look like he's in command. He doesn't look like he's in control. Joe Biden looks like a teeny little dog, a dumb, teeny old dog walking on its back two legs to get a treat. He looks off balance. He looks off kilter. He looks like his brain is sort of snapped in half and that Joe Biden really just doesn't have the capacity any longer to play the game, right? That dog don't hunt, as they say in the South. Dog don't hunt means the dog's past its usefulness, and that's what you get when you get Joe Biden. When you get Joe Biden in situations like this weekend where he has to be presidential, that's when things really start to collapse around him. When you watch Joe Biden on September 11th at memorial events, when you watch Joe Biden engaging with families, real human beings, real people in the wild, as they say, there's a reason they keep Joe Biden tight and encapsulated in a teeny little bubble in Washington, D.C., wrapped really like one of those, like a, like a razor that you buy out of, out, of, out of CVS, right? And it's in that bubble that you can't even get into. You have to get a knife out. It's a hard plastic bubble, right? The, the casing, you'll cut yourself on the casing. You can't get into it. It's airtight. It's wrapped up, right? And that's the way that they have Joe Biden. He often is never outside of a pre-programmed, pre-selected, pre-performative situation. Everything is controlled, including his microphone. We even have reporting that says that the White House regularly, the staffers in the White House regularly cut off Biden's mic, tell him not to speak with reporters. They openly say it. Jen Psaki says that they tell Joe Biden not to talk with reporters, to just not speak. I mean, when was the last presidential administration you had that happen? What is the dynamic in the White House? The White House can't even watch Joe Biden speak when he's at events. They said that they turn off the TV when the president is speaking extemporaneously. People groan and cringe, that reporting from our friend Jack Bersobic. Uh I, I encourage you to follow Jack. He has great insights. And one of the insights uh, that he has is that the administration is trying desperately to prevent Joe Biden from being in situations where he's speaking to normal Americans where he's talking extemporaneously. And this September 11th, this Saturday, this weekend, it shows exactly why they do that. It was a masterclass in exactly how clownish Joe Biden is and has become. The first thing that you had to see with Joe Biden this weekend to recognize that things just weren't going well, let's say, is at the official September 11th Memorial at Ground Zero. You have all of the former presidents, um, uh, with the exception of George Bush and Donald Trump, you have at least the former Democrat presidents all sort of standing there in an uncomfortable line, right? You have Bill Clinton, you have Obama, you have Hillary, you have Michelle. And then you have Pelosi, I believe, sprinkled in there, and then you have Joe Biden. The Iconic image that came from that event was Joe Biden pulling his mask down and screaming at the top of his lungs. You've all, you all saw the photo 
it's so uncomfortable. It's so weird. It's so off kilter for the event itself and the mood. This is the this is the event where they ring the bell when the planes hit the tower. I mean, it's the event where it's like at the actual tower at the location where the buildings fell. Three thousand Americans lost their lives in a moment, really, uh, in time, uh, captured forever. And you have this this clownish presidential look. Right, where with Biden pulling his mask down and not behaving presidential at all, not even behaving respectful, seem seemingly uh, behaving like an escaped institution patient. Well, that's exactly what you have right now in Joe Biden. I often call the White House the most expensive nursing home, the most secure nursing home in the world. And indeed, it costs a lot of money to run the White House, but not all the money in the world can make Joe Biden look approachable, normal, or beloved. And Joe Biden was not beloved because as soon as that event was over, the families who are invited there, we did some research on this, that specific event at Ground Zero is very solemn, very sacred, obviously, for good reason. So the people who are invited to it are family members. They're human beings who lost loved ones or who were directly affected by the towers falling. They, they, they have family members whose names are inscribed into the limestone or, or, or marble or, or, or whatever, whatever rock facade there that is very cool, by the way. I don't really like a lot of modernist memorials, but I got to say the, the memorial design at Ground Zero is haunting and beautiful and, and everything it should be. It's one of my favorite memorials in the country and, and good for them, uh, honestly, for, for doing that. The memorial itself is the footprint of the two twin towers um, it, where they stood. Uh, exactly. And then along the footprint of the towers is a, a waterfall that falls sort of for many floors down. And then the names of those who died on September 11th inscribed uh, all around the footprint. And it's a beautiful thing. And people can go and leave notes and leave flowers and and, and remember. And it, it is solemn and beautiful. And it is, a, a, frankly, one of the best memorials in the country. Reminds you quite a bit of the Vietnam War Memorial, uh, which is also a very well done memorial. So, uh, for what it is, it is a sacred ground. I mean, as far as we have sacred ground in this country, it's hard to think of one that is more sacred than that. So, the families that get invited there are the ones for that specific ceremony are the ones who are directly affected. It's not open to the public. There are obviously high profile political and uh, and first responder and um, military leaders that attend that event. And so the families get invited in. When the progression of failed presidents and globalist, stateless, <laughs> clownish, Clinton, Obama, Biden. I mean, what a legacy there. Oh man, what a what a different what a different country we'd have if the the three of those families didn't exist. But that there is a amazing clip. I'll play it for you right now of Joe Biden getting booed, right? So the progression of the downfall of you know, the downfall of America clan, right? The 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 Progression of the destruction of America, right? The destruction of America squad, the Obamas, the Clintons, and the Bidens go wandering through the audience. Uh, 
and a man is filming, and this man, I do not know. I cannot tell you exactly who he is. Uh, what I can tell you is that he was close enough at this event to actually shout at the Clintons, he called them murderers, and then to actually shout at the Obamas and to actually shout at Joe Biden. So he must have been a member of a family or a direct relative of someone who was lost on September 11th, this guy, to be invited to, into that level of proximity at the event. That is just what my assumption is. It has to be that way because it's not open to the public. It's open to a very specific class of people who lost loved ones on September 11th. So this man yells at Joe Biden. Now, how is this made worse? It's made worse because at this exact moment, remember, the clownish dog walking, uh, the old teeny little Yorkie who's blind and stumbling around and just wants the treat. Joe Biden uh, stumbles and wobbles in his awkward back leg, two-legged dog way uh, away from the pre-produced line, right? The progression where he's supposed to go. He's supposed to exit. He breaks rank and pulls down his mask and goes and plunges himself very, very teeteringly plunges himself into the audience, into the crowd that is standing there. And he's there to go and yell at some old woman, right? I don't think he's yelling mean. I think he's trying to, to communicate with some, some lady. Uh, I don't know who the lady is, some old lady in a wheelchair. And Joe Biden pulls down his mask. <laughs> You're not supposed to do this. Pulls down his mask and then starts like hollering at some lady, you know, who's in the COVID demographic of extremely vulnerable, a woman, an older woman in a wheelchair, uh, and Joe Biden's yanking down his mask to yell at her. All right. So there's idiot. Number one. And then number two, you have the people surrounding Joe Biden suddenly break into a chorus of booze. What you want to do in advancement here. And you guys know I've worked in, in politics for 20 years. What you want to do in advancement here is you want to make sure if you have a deeply unpopular president and Joe Biden like is like has like 36% approval rating right now. Joe Biden and especially on on this day, right, when he's handed Afghanistan back to the terrorists, when Joe Biden has really beclowned the memory of September 11th in every conceivable way, you sort of want to eliminate his ability to be trolled by the public. You want to make sure that he's away from the public and out of the public eye and out of the public ire. Well, that didn't work out for Joe, it turns out. Joe Biden goes, plunges himself into the audience, and then gets booed roundly. We have uh, the audio of that for you here. Go ahead and listen to Joe Biden getting completely roasted by September 11th survivors. The murderers, look, the murderers. You're a mud for what you did to Afghanistan. Terrible, terrible. Don't sniff them. Terrible. So, yeah, that was Joe Biden's uh, ground zero experience getting roundly booed by survivors. And then it doesn't stop for Biden. It doesn't stop. He just keeps getting weirder and weirder. So what we have is Joe Biden in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Joe Biden uh, 
leans down and starts kneeling in Shanksville. Now, I think he's ta- the camera angle's really far away, right? They, this is a Fox News clip. It doesn't show, you know, it's not right up on Biden. You all, Honestly, you want to give people some space, especially if they're, they're suffering or if they lost a loved one. You want to let people grieve in privacy and let people grieve in their own right. Nobody likes to have a camera shoved in their face during a time like this. But what you have is uh, a shot of Joe Biden once again getting down on his knees in the field where one of the flights crashed on September 11th. Now, you can argue that he's trying to comfort someone, per- presumably. I don't actually know what he's doing here. Um, there are some, He's around people, and maybe he's trying to like comfort a family member. Maybe he's just being a freaking weirdo because Joe Biden's done this before. Joe Biden gets down on his knees for BLM. We have that clip. Joe Biden gets down on his knees for WNBA champions. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, Joe Biden gets down on his knees like at really awkward and weird moments. And if you're talking about the greatest country in the world, the strongest country in the world, with the strongest military in the world, with the presumably the strongest man in the world, a, a, a you know uh, the strongest position, political position on the planet is the president of the United States. Seeing him perpetually on his knees kneeling, not a good look. I'll say it, not a great look. You look like a coward. You look like an idiot. You look like a weakling. Joe Biden is a weakling. Joe Biden would, you know, has obviously couldn't withstand a five-mile-an-hour wind on the stairs of Air Force One. And so Joe Biden, indeed, is just sort of perpetually, like, collapsing and kneeling. It's just not a great look. Also, it's hollowed ground. Maybe you shouldn't kneel on it. That's just my opinion. The hits keep coming for Joe Biden. The awkwardness keeps coming as the the the, the two-legged dog continues to wobble through uh, what should be a honorable procession, what should be a a trusty golden retriever day for Joe Biden, where he you know stands and he's solemn. Nope, the clownishness continues. So Joe Biden went and talked to reporters and ended up blaming his fellow Americans. Uh, for holding up signs uh, against him. You know, you can hear Joe Biden talking about there were signs on the road saying F this, F that. That's presumably about the New Jersey trip where for miles and miles and miles, Trump supporters stood in the road and uh, clowned Joe Biden with giant signs. This was a trip from earlier in the week. Joe Biden was complaining about his fellow Americans. Here's a clip of that. On the street and someone has a sign saying F so-and-so or, I mean, Great. Thank you, sir. Afghanistan anymore. Do you think this marks a new phase for the country as it experiences its anniversary 20 years later? Well, I, I think, look, I, I do. If you read, there was a big article with 16, 17 people. Was it in, um, I guess it was, what, what was it? Uh, so, yeah, you have Joe Biden essentially taking this day to complain about his fellow Americans while his fellow Americans hit back in what is my favorite story from the weekend, 100%. Oh, man, this is just a classic. You have Joe Biden uh, in a photo line inside of one of the what looks like a warehouse, right, or an airplane hangar. And Joe Biden gets up and little kids come up to take photos with him. And these little kids are wearing MAGA hats. They're wearing MAGA hats. They're wearing Trump hats. They're wearing all this swag, all this gear. And one of the kids is wearing a shirt. This kid is an absolute hero that says, I'll be back with a photo of Donald Trump. 
on it wearing the Terminator glasses. This is just classic stuff here. It is amazing, the troll. Now, I don't know if this is a troll that Joe Biden knew he was getting punked with, right? I do not know. I wasn't there. Maybe it's, maybe is Biden getting punked? Maybe Joe Biden was actually just, you know, trying to be nice. And there's a quote in a Washington Post story where Biden talked about taking photos with people wearing Trump gear. Maybe they realized they had done it after the fact and were trying to just pivot it as Biden being bipartisan. Good luck with that trash, right? Joe Biden has called uh, Republicans uh, Neanderthals and is now on a you know, s- systemic segregationist drive to make sure that Americans who believe they have bodily autonomy um, are treated like second-class citizens. And... Uh, presumably the goal there would be to create two different economies where you crush the unvaccinated, you crush your fellow American, and you crush your freedom-minded loving people. Maybe you create camps like they're doing in Australia. Yeah, Joe Biden is not a uniter. Joe Biden is the worst divider in my lifetime, and I lived through Barack Obama. That's saying a lot. So no, I don't think this is Joe Biden trying to be nice to the little kids. I think this is legitimately Joe Biden not knowing who is around him and what is happening, not having the mental cogency to understand that he's getting trolled and punked and these videos and photos have gone absolutely viral they're great legendary shout out to you kids amazing we're trying to get in touch with one of the family members to see if maybe the kids could join us or tell us about this experience and we'll keep you posted on that so joe biden had a let's just say all around bad and clownish 9-11 again the poor dog walking on his back two legs not stable not a stable man looks like a fool joe biden looks and acts like a fool a complete goof Also, we have this weird photo of Joe Biden, a real close-up of Joe Biden yelling, and it looks like he has some type of thing taped to his ear. What the hell is that about? I don't know. Maybe we should do a full-scale investigation into that. I'm not exactly sure. You know, there's a whole thing about Joe Biden earpiece going around ever since the inauguration when Joe Biden looked as though he was reciting lines uh, that were being told to him like in real time. It looked like, uh, you know, so what's going on with Joe Biden's ears, the earpiece? There's, a, you know, there's plenty of debunked stuff out there, right, about Joe Biden wearing a wire. But there's a lot of legitimate questions. I mean, the man is clearly unstable. Anyone who watches it, if Joe Biden was my candidate, I'd be like, get the earpiece in his ear right now and get me in the van to help him say things to make him look alive. Because Joe Biden is just pretty much like a reanimated corpse at this point. Also, speaking of vans, you all remember when Hillary Clinton fell like a slab of beef into that van? It's like the, it is the uh, six-year anniversary of that famous moment when Hillary Clinton fell into the van. Again, this moment and this day has some very bad connotations for Democrats and uh, the people who wish to essentially stand silently and stand away from everyone and just go and perform, stand performatively at the memorial and then do nothing for the survivors, do nothing for the families, do nothing for the first responders. It's just a big opportunity to get a fat photo op of you and your masked face, your performative action, and then to get whisked away. With Hillary Clinton six years ago, it was her being whisked away like a slab of beef from Subway falling into a van. That was just a creepy moment. We never got answers on that. We never got an answer as to what that was about. But nonetheless, for Joe Biden, sometimes 
I think his staff wishes he was a slab of beef from Subway at the airport and he would just shut up and just fall over. <laughs> I think that's what his staff thinks. It's, it's got to be. It's got to be. Because he just is such an embarrassment. He's such an embarrassment. Joe Biden, of course, did um, you know, did no major public ovations towards the firefighters or the police. He wasn't welcome. No, no, no. That was a time reserved for Donald Trump. No, 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 no. The man, the myth, the legend, Donald Trump, appeared, appeared at the fire department and police headquarters that were close to ground zero, where many of the first responders who were there on that day and in the preceding years uh, dealing with the tragedy were gathered, and Donald Trump, in a surprise visit, came crashing in and in his own beautiful way, as always, made people's days. This is where Trump shines. This is 100% where Trump shines. Where Donald Trump is his absolute best. Donald Trump walking into the the halls, the sacred halls of the NYPD and the FDNY on the 20th anniversary of September 11th and saying, and I quote, we're not supposed to say it, but I'll say it. We love the blue. I don't know. I mean, like there was never a president who was better for police than Donald Trump. These guys love this man. These guys turn their back on de Blasio. They know that Democrats are oath breakers. None of these Democrats are out for the cops. They are all in favor of state and military police taking over people that they have full control over. It's all about control. They don't have control of local police departments. They don't like things that they don't have direct command and control over. Classic communist tactic here. You've got to be in charge of the state police. In every communist nation, there's a Stasi, is what they call them in East Germany. There's a KGB. There's a special police force that just acts as the hand of the authoritarian in your life. A famous East Berlin story says, and I'm not sure how accurate this is, but that there was a Stasi, there was a Stasi agent in every apartment building on every floor, listening, listening, watching. This is what communists want. This is what the authoritarians want. They want the police to act as their agents. And therefore, when you have independent police offices and independent independent police agencies, they are outside of your purview and you need to have them to bring a free population to heal. That is precisely what they are attempting to do. And so Democrats and specifically the particularly dangerous viral strand of authoritarian Democrat that you're watching be produced right now and take power right now, the particularly vicious and anti-American brand of, it's not even Democrats, I mean, guys, it's just straight up authoritarianism. It's just straight up Marxism, these people. It's what they want. No church, no law enforcement, just the state. The state owns it all. No God, nothing, just the ownership of all. That is what they wish for. That is what they long for. They pine after it. They think about it day and night. It's what all of their actions on COVID are about. It's what all of their actions after George Floyd was about. 
It's the control of everything. It's where defund the police comes from, and it's why police turn their back on them and call them oath breakers. Because the police are not supported by these people, these people want to completely dismantle the police, and they say it. Ilhan Omar says it. Ilhan, Ilhan, say it loud. What do you want to do with the police? Not only do we need to disinvest for in police, but we need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. is rotten to the root and so when we dismantle it we get rid of that cancer and we allow for something beautiful to rise and that reimagining allows us to figure out what public safety looks like for us there you go Ilhan Omar we must completely dismantle the police well that's what they all think they might not say it that's what they all think. It's why all of Congress, every leader of the Democratic Party in Congress, went and performatively kneeled to BLM. Kneeled. They kneeled down. There is no God. There is just power. That's why they say rest in power. There is no God for these people. There's just power. They will kneel to anything that provides them power. They will kneel to the to defund the police movement. And indeed, that kneeling almost got my family killed. You guys know... The story, we've told it on our show a couple times on Newsmax, but my family's was in Washington, D.C., a place with defunded police inside of our nation's capital, and there were murders on my doorstep. I have the footage. There were people shot. There were mass shootings on my block where I'm raising my little daughter. The home next to us was a known drug house, but it was always bad, but it was just sort of like on the down low bad, right? There was a, a, a drug dealer named Bang who lived in the house next to us. So this is a drug dealer. His name's Bang, and he deals drugs. But he just kind of sat around, right? He just like kind of, he just like, he just kind of sat around and, and dealt his drugs and minded his own business. And so Kate and I, you know, we were in a, we, we lived in a majority minority neighborhood, right? Every person on the block was black. And so we just kind of went about our business. That's what he did. We did what we did. And our our paths, nary, you know, nary crossed. We would bring over uh, a card on Christmas and New Year's and, uh, you know, and, and, and we were neighbors, right? Well, things spiraled perilously after DC defunded the police. Things got really bad. They started dealing harder and harder stuff. They started getting into worse and worse crimes, and eventually it caught up to them. Their house got burned down. It was a known drug house. They got into a beef with other drug dealers, and they torched the house. We have it on camera. People went, smashed the windows, dumped kerosene into the house, and lit it on fire. You can see it. We filmed it. We have the footage. I am not exaggerating here. My daughter was home. My daughter was, I think, seven months old at the time. And my wife had to flee the home. The home was on fire. Our house, these are row houses. They're connected to each other in D.C. Our house in flames, in flames with my infant daughter inside. Thank God I was on a flight back to D.C. at that very moment and could comfort my family and could, could help them. I mean, this is just no worse feeling as a father than that. That is the worst feeling on planet Earth. 
It is the worst feeling you could possibly feel that your family is in danger. At that exact moment, we were looking for alternative housing. Uh, I'm sorry, alternative places to live. We knew D.C. was crumbling. We had been in D.C. for 15 years, and now we live in Florida for that exact reason. Choose to get out of the cities. Choose to get out of blue states. Many people say get out of the cities. <clears throat> I'm not exactly out of the city. I'm in Tampa, Florida. But I, uh, I'm certainly out of the blue states. I am out of the places that defund their police. Police know this. Police know that their lives are in jeopardy. Our friends in D.C. are police officers. We have multiple friends who were police officers in D.C. Every one of them is looking for retirement. Every single one of them says every day I'm on the job is a day when my life is more threatened. D.C. defunded their police. There were mass retirements. There was mass protests. Mass numbers of people fled the police force, and now it is whittled down to nothing. That is why you're starting to see horrific murders and horrific crimes all across Washington. And uh, we look forward to doing a Washington, D.C. in decline special because it really is is, uh, quite amazing. Unlike Detroit, which has been in decline for generations, right? And you walk through Detroit and it looks like Aleppo in Syria. It looks like a bombed out war zone. Unlike Baltimore, which has been in decline for very for a very long time. In in DC, the decline is like is like happening instantly. And so what you have is you have multi-million dollar properties uh, that are owned by extremely wealthy people and extremely powerful people that are just getting looted and raided and that are turning into crime havens. Some of the wealthiest streets in the city are now turning into uh, mass shootouts, and people are getting kidnapped, and people are getting forced in, 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 in kidnappings at gunpoint to give their pins uh, for the ATM. They're getting taken from the street. It's like, it's like Sicario. It's like, it's, like, it's like all of D.C. is being run now by... The cartels, it's remarkable what what kind of cancer Democrats can shove into a otherwise profitable and prosperous and happy and safe city. D.C., when I was living there, especially under Donald Trump, became very safe and very profitable and very metropolitan. All of the, you know, the nice neighborhoods were, were flipping and, and gentrifying and, and, and run down areas of the town were being remade. It was incredible. It was a renaissance for Washington, D.C. No longer. It is the dark ages there indeed, and it is brutal, and I wish everyone there to get the hell out. Well, what would they leave for? Well, I I, I think you should leave for Florida, which is an amazing state that is funding its police officers. Donald Trump spent his days in New York City and then in Florida, right? So Donald Trump's September 11th, uh, was Donald Trump going to the FDNY and NYPD headquarters, getting cheered by the cops and the firefighters there, and then teasing uh, his 2024 potential presidential run, um, and also slamming Joe Biden. We have this clip for you. Listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a question? Spotlight's on me, I guess. Are you going to run again, Mr. President? Oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> Actually, for me, it's an easy question. Okay. So, I mean, I know what I'm going to do, but we're not supposed to be talking about it yet from the standpoint of uh, campaign finance laws, which, frankly, are ridiculous, okay? You want to know the truth. But we have to live with it. But I think you're going to be happy. Let me put it that way, okay? I think you're going to be very happy. Bravest people. 
right next door, and you know you love each other, because I know the blue. We love the blue. I'll say it loud. You know, you're not supposed to say that. We love the blue. Biden didn't even speak today. He went to all three places. And he didn't speak. I wonder why. I wonder why he didn't speak. No, think of it. No telephone. He went. No telephone. He went. No, he went to three places. All three places. He went to the Pentagon. Went to Pennsylvania. He came here, and he didn't speak. Ah, <laughs> oh, what a shame! The election was rigged, and that's what we got. That's what we got. So then Donald Trump, after getting a resounding and wonderful embrace at the September 11th events in New York City, Donald Trump got on a flight and went down to Florida, Hollywood, Florida, to call a boxing match. This was a boxing match, the heavyweight title of the world boxing match in Florida, Holyfield versus Victor Belfort. And it was quite the event. Donald Trump, of course, was the actual heavyweight there. Uh, There was no one else. Donald Trump was the heavyweight. And he called a great match. But what was amazing is that the entire event, it was just the entire event was like a Trump rally. It was was incredible. You You have this entire stadium filled with people, thousands of people. I don't know the exact number, but thousands of people chanting, we love Trump, thousands of people chanting, we love Trump and continuing their uh, 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 chance until Trump spoke, right? Demanding a speech from Trump. And uh, we have clips from that for you. You got to listen to this. Check this out. That was a fantastic job by a really great young man. He's got a big future, and uh, we're just honored. We're just honored. Thank you. We want Trump. We want Trump. That's what everybody's saying in the audience. I don't think I hear that back home. Everybody's screaming right now. The people are going nuts. This is the main event in the South. Thank you very much. What an amazing rendition of the national anthem. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. This is an honor to be with you, and what a great evening. And I think you're going to see an incredible fight. And Jorge, it's great, Junior. It's great to be with you guys and uh, champions. We love you, man. Special people. Special warriors. Still going strong. That's good. They got the chant going that's been going around stadiums in college football for the last couple of days. Well, it's a great honor. Thank you very much. Thank you, everybody, very much. We love our country. I love our country. Thank you very much. So we're going to see a great fight tonight. Okay, so we have a cultural moment here. This is why I like to, to... so much talk about why I am encouraged right now in this moment. This moment right now is energy. I've never felt it more. Our movement is a movement that really thrives off of energy. And when I say our movement, I mean the freedom movement. Freedom needs always a a gut check, right? It needs to be, it needs to feel threatened every once in a while 
to realize the natural order of things. The natural order of things is an unfree people. Look, go read your Bible. Go read your Bible. Look at the time of Pharaoh. When Moses comes along, Pharaoh says, kill all the kids. What did people say? Did people say, no, that's against my civil rights? That's against my natural rights? No. Those ideas didn't exist. Those ideas didn't exist. Humanity was slavery. The elite were truly the elite, truly the 1%, and they had everything and you had nothing. And you would trod through your miserable, weary lives, doing their bidding, being their slaves, and they could kill your children if they wanted to. You fast forward to the time of Christ. So you go from Moses to Christ. Same thing. Upon hearing that there was a Messiah born, Herod sort of, okay, kill all the kids. What did people say? Did they say, you know, Mary and Joseph, what did they say? Like, oh, no, that's against the law. No, that's against our civil rights as human beings. <laughs> like, there was no UN commission <laughs> to study this. It was just Herod saying, I'm your king. Everything you own is mine. Everything that happens here is by my decree. Your very life, the air you breathe is from my decree. And I can take that air. I can slaughter your children. And I will go and slaughter the infant Messiah because somebody told me that that's what was going on right now. And that's a threat to my power. Amazing how they react when they their power is threatened. Isn't that something? The dictator and the authoritarian never changes. It is a fight against good and evil, and it is a satanic fight indeed. So that is uh, that is a relatively new thing, right? It is a relatively new thing to have civil rights, to have our rights, natural rights, threatened by the government and to be able to defend them. To have a Second Amendment and to have an understanding that we have rights that pre-exist government that are between us and God, it is a true Renaissance idea, and it has been defended over the last 250 years primarily by America, uh, and, and only by America. And then America exported that idea around the world, and it worked out really, really great, actually. That experiment has worked out incredibly. Now, there are many people who long for the authoritarian days of Herod and Pharaoh, where they can kill your children, and they're doing everything in their power to get as much power to kill your children as possible and have control over them, their masks, what they eat, what they breathe. They want to control the air that your children breathe. Again, the authoritarian doesn't change. They just change eras. Well, this is our era of freedom, and people are fighting back. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing. People are becoming awake. We are not woke. We are actually awake. The awake is, uh, by the way, very motivating and very encouraging. You have hundreds of thousands. I can now definitively say, definitively say hundreds of thousands of people chanting F. Joe Biden in stadiums across the country, dotting the countryside in, in, in I don't know how many states. It's got, it's got to be 20, 30 states now in, at 20, 30 different campuses, maybe hundreds more. Maybe I haven't tallied it up correctly. All I can tell you guys is the videos that I get sent. If you have more videos, send them to me, Benny at BennyJohnson.com, Benny at BennyJohnson.com. I am telling you, I am so encouraged. The kids are all right. The newest thing is to chant F. Joe Biden. Why? Because Joe Biden represents the cancerous, authoritarian, calcified wretchedness of the ruling class. People hate that, and they love being punk rock. We are punk rock conservatives. We fight the power, 
and Joe Biden is the power. His power is evil. His power is corrupt. His power, wish he wishes to not use his power to make your life better. He wishes to make your life worse, and that is called the banality of evil. So here we have Joe Biden getting just completely roasted in, in, in campuses across the country. You got to you got to hear some of these chants. Listen. To So, yeah, that is <laughs> rough, a rough day for a rough day for Joe Biden, a rough, rough day for Joe Biden uh, getting completely roasted. I, you know, I thought the Democrats were so hip with it. I thought people loved, you know, I think I thought people loved uh, pop culture and all of the poison that gets fed to our youth. I thought that was really like the youth were all on the side of Democrats. No, no, guys, the youth are on the side of the counterculture. And that indeed is the culture of freedom right now. So very, very excited about very, very excited about this movement and never been more excited. This movement is taking back ground, and we are seeing that happen in California. Taking back ground. The California recall is tomorrow. Larry Elder is up for a ballot vote if indeed. Governor Newsom gets recalled. Now, it looks like there are a bunch of panic, a bunch of panicked libs that are freaking out that this is actually going to happen. We have here from NBC News an article about how Democrats are literally throwing anything they can against the wall to stop the recall effort. I mean, they are pulling out every possible tool that they have. And by the way, Joe Biden is campaigning there today. If Joe Biden is the tool that you have, man, that is, uh, you better find some sharper tools. <laughs> you better find some sharper tools in the tool shed. Um, so here we have Joe Biden coming to California today. Kamala Harris was there. Uh, over the last week, obviously Kamala Harris, we covered, she got surrounded by Afghanistan protesters, people who immigrated here from Afghanistan and hated her. They shouted her down at her own event. Here, NBC News says that Biden is uh, Biden is coming out because they're so scared. The president will tr help try to motivate Democrats to turn out to defend their governor from a recall election that could kick him out of office. Reading to you from NBC News. President Joe Biden will head to California Monday to campaign for Governor Newsom, day before the state's recall election when voters could throw the Democrat out of the governorship and replace him with a Republican. Biden and Newsom will appear together in Long Beach, just outside of Los Angeles, the governor's final rally on the eve of the election to urge Californians to vote to keep Newsom in office. The rally will be part of a multi-stop trip to the West by Biden, including events in Idaho and Colorado. Oh, man, the Idaho one's going to be great. Idaho... Our Idaho people are based. Democrats outnumber Republicans 2 to 1 in California, but Republicans have been far more motivated to vote. So Newsom could use all the help that he can get. This is MSNBC writing this, man. This is nine alarm fire here. Every registered voter in California has been mailed a ballot. The polls show many voters are not even aware the runoff, the runoff is happening. Ballot asks voters if Newsom should be recalled, and then if so, who should replace him? in the country's most populous state. Recent polls show Newsom has regained strength in the past month, while talk show host Larry Elder, the Republican, leading the 46-candidate field for the potential replacement candidates, has struggled to expand his support beyond his base. Yeah, okay, well, 
It's uh, it's a struggle that th- that has been motivated by an entire blackout from corporate media on Larry Elder's campaign, thus showing exactly how powerful Larry Elder indeed is. Larry Elder was uh, attacked over this last week in a hate crime. A white woman in a gorilla mask threw a egg at Larry Elder's head, and other goons uh, attacked. Larry Elder's staff in the streets of Los Angeles, thus demonstrating the left's entire collapse into fascism. This is what happens. The the fascist dictates, and we told you guys, this is what happens. They want to control the police. They want they all Antifa and BLM is is the mob like police force that has been used by every authoritarian fascistic dictatorship in world history. They create a police force that is outside of the bounds of the law to go in and harass and intimidate, hurt and defile their political enemies, people who stand against them, to scare them from public discourse. That is precisely what is happening here. That's what this woman was a part of, and she hopefully will be charged uh, as, uh, with a hate crime. That is uh, what Larry Elder said. If I were a Democrat, it would be a hate crime, and he's 100% right. Uh, Larry Elder was joined by Rose McGowan, a actress who has been a huge part of the Me Too movement. Really incredible. Rose McGowan is a very, very brave person. Probably the most single-handedly important person in the takedown of Harvey Weinstein. What an incredible person. We need more people like Rose McGowan in the country. She spoke out at a uh, Larry Elder rally. She said that this is a election between good and evil, and she said that Gavin Newsom's wife had a weird relationship with Harvey Weinstein's lawyer and pressured her to not speak out against Harvey Weinstein and essentially offered to bribe her. It was bombshell. I mean, in any other era, this would be the number one story in the country. It's all we would be talking about. But the media is doing the full phalanx protection of Gavin Newsom to try and protect their teeny little margins in the state in the state of California, because Gavin Newsom said he'll elect he'll he'll put a Republican in to replace retiring Senator Dianne Feinstein. Uh, that would lose Democrats the Senate. I mean, at the same hand, you have Joe Manchin saying he's not going to vote for the infrastructure bill. I mean, the, the Senate's already lost in that regard. Uh, but nonetheless, this is the full-on corporate press doing everything they can, full-on Greek phalanx move to protect decrepit old Batman character scumbag Gavin Newsom. Really is embarrassing. Listen to what Rose McGowan had to say at this rally. I traveled the world and I've had so many people say to me, Americans are the most uneducated. Not wrong, but they are wrong in this. It's undereducated. It's systematic and it's done to you all on purpose to keep you part of a complicity machine that benefits few. This is not a country or a state for everyone. This is a country for the few. This is a country for people like hair gel in the Bahamas. Okay, that's the reality. And I really wish I had better news. It gives me no pleasure to be the bearer of like truth, which is sometimes ugly. But do you want a society that has gangrene on its leg, but puts on a fancy suit and pretends it's not there while they hobble in pain? Or do you want to just stop, look at reality, take your medicine, clean up the wound, and run? Run free. Why not change? Why not go big? 
Why not put a stake in the heart of evil? Because that's what this really is. This is good and this is evil. And if you're tired of people looking at this country like it's the Florida of the world, which it is looked upon that way because, you know, it's earned it in a lot of ways. Um, I know this place has it in it to be better. I know it does. I've met so many good people in this country. Not the elites. Absolutely not. But the person I meet, you know, that's the housekeeper at the hotel I'm staying at. Um, who shouldn't even have that title because she's a queen of a woman. And then we have the Jennifer Siebel Newsoms of the world. Why? Why do you keep choosing that? Why do you keep electing that? Don't listen to their buzzwords. Cult leaders, which is what these people are. I would know. I grew up in one, like I said. They massage your mind. They keep you in fear. They keep you in doubt. I kind of suspect on the inside that this is all a lie, but I don't want to be the one that stands out and takes it on the chin. Well, I'm here to confirm for you it is a lie. It is a fact. Yeah, if I were a Democrat, I would be panicking too. We will uh, be watching closely what Joe Biden does and see how he humiliates Gavin Newsom. I just can't imagine, I just can't imagine like worse motivators to have. If you have Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, the, that's 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 your escape hatch, that that's your that's your plan. Your plan is Kamala Harris, a hyena, a human hybrid, who is um, like an animorph character. That is like, can you see the animorph book cover right of the hy like the the Kamala turns into the hyena, hyena back to Kamala. <laughs> Kamala Harris, by the way, did not move any numbers for Gavin Newsom. I promise you that. Kamala Harris didn't get a single delegate to vote for her for president in California, her home state. Pretty embarrassing indeed. Her own people hate her. Kamala Harris doesn't have a people, by the way. She was raised in Canada. So anyway, you really do. And then you're gonna bring you're gonna bring out doddering old Joe Biden, bag of bag of moldy oatmeal. And plop him on stage, and Joe Biden's gonna say, Gavin Newsom, good guy, Jack. Come on, Jack. Come on, man. You gotta vote for Ronald Reagan. Vote for vote for Reagan. Uh, keep California golden. It's, it's not gonna help. It's not gonna help. Vote for Gavin Newsom is a vote to make sure that California remains on the path to third world communism, authoritarianism, which is where it's headed right now. Uh, please vote for Larry Elder. Please vote yes in the recall and vote for Larry Elder. We have some scary reporting here that many people that are showing up in California are being told that they've already voted. That is terrifying. That is horrifying. It is a uh, uh, strikes directly at the core of what we saw in 2020 with glitches and systems and computers messing with our elections and defiling our democracy. Uh, here's a news clip from local California station. Watch this. Court and Rick, this is quite a story. Good question. What is going on? We spoke with several concerned voters here in the West San Fernando Valley who believe something wonky had been going on at places like El Camino Real Charter High School in Woodland Hills. This place opened up as an early polling location, open 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. daily. But several people tell us 
They showed up to vote this morning in the special California governor recall election and were told that computers showed they had already cast their ballots. So what? Staffers, they say, were apologetic and helpful, but those voters we talked to are extremely concerned, suspicious, and wanting answers. California native and current West Hills resident, 88-year-old Estelle Bender, spoke with us just a short time ago. What happened today and how shocked are you? Very. I went to El Camino High School to vote, got there at 1030, gave her this, and she scanned it and said, you voted. And I said, no, I haven't. And she said, this has been happening all morning. The man next to me was arguing the same thing. So as I left, I did the provisional ballot. And left. I was just really angry. And I saw two women walking toward me as I left. And I said, don't be surprised if they tell you you've already voted. And she said, they've already done that. If I voted, how did I vote? And who did you vote for? Well, I asked the couple, the young women that I talked to, and I said, are you by any chance Republicans? She said, yes. And I said, well, so am I. And so are the two friends that had the problem at VFW. So. Makes you suspicious. I would think so. <laughs> and still, I'd like to know how I voted. All right, take a look. The L.A. County Registrar's Office released a statement tonight following our inquiries. A spokesman says the voters who experienced this issue were offered and provided a provisional ballot. That is some extremely scary stuff. That is incredibly scary stuff there. Uh, what does it mean? I don't know. It looks like fraud. I mean, it looks like fraud. It looks like they're taking people who were in a, you know, who were potentially not going to vote or hadn't voted in a while or were older and so they didn't think they would be showing up and maybe they're filling out ballots for them. And it's just speculation, but that's what the computers are saying. Computers are saying they already voted. So wait a second, how did they vote? Where are those votes? Why is the computer saying that? It needs to be looked into. I really hope Harmeet Dillon does some great work there. I really hope that they are looking into it. All right. Final story here, guys, is the New York Times investigation into the bombshell uh, bomb that was dropped by Joe Biden uh, at the end of the Afghan war. Indeed, what could be called the last American strike uh, during the Afghan Afghanistan war and then our occupation of that country. Times investigation here from the New York Times in U.S. drone strike evidence suggests no ISIS bomb. U.S. officials and said a Reaper drone followed a car for hours and then fired based on evidence that it was carrying explosives. But an in-depth video analysis and interviews at the site cast doubt on that account. Oh my goodness. Kabul, Afghanistan. It was the last known missile fired in the United States in its 20-year war in Afghanistan, and the military called it a righteous strike. A drone attack after hours of surveillance on August 29th against a vehicle that American officials thought contained an ISIS bomb and posed an immediate threat to troops in Kabul's airport. But the New York Times investigation of video evidence along with interviews with more than a dozen of the driver's co-workers and family members in Kabul raises doubts. U.S. version of events, including whether the explosives were present in the vehicle, whether the driver had connections to ISIS, whether the secondary explosion after the missiles struck the car. Military officials said they did not know the identity of the car's driver when the drone was fired. Oh, that's great. 
but deemed him suspicious because of how they interpreted his activities that day, saying that the possibility he visited with an ISIS safe house and at one point loaded what they thought could be explosives into the car. Times reporting has identified the driver as Zamari Ahmadi, a longtime worker with a U.S. aid group. The evidence suggests that his travels on that day actually involved transporting colleagues to and from work. Analysis of video feeds showed what the military may have seen was Ahmadi and his colleague loading canisters of water into his trunk to bring him home to his family. The U.S. military said the drone strike might have killed three civilians. Time reporting showed that it killed 10, including seven children in a dense residential block. Good job, Biden. Great job, Biden. Way to bring dignity. The dignity. The dignity is just flowing from this administration. Way to bring dignity back to the White House. Wow. Way to go. Just murder a bunch of kids. Murder a bunch of, uh, what would the left say? A bunch of brown kids? Yeah. Just go murder a bunch of kids. Let, let's let that be our lasting legacy, right? Go murder a bunch of innocent children who live inside of, I'm using the left's language, who live inside of a brown country. Yeah, that's what the left says all the time. We're scared of that. Well, they're murdering them. Oh, yeah? Okay. You're, well, you're murdering these people. Black lives and brown lives. That's all we hear about from the left, that they don't matter. Our lives matter, and we need them to matter. Well, guess what? Your boy, your boy in the White House, he just murdered, murdered in cold blood a bunch of, a bunch of brown-skinned children whose only crime was that they were in the path of a Hellfire missile fired by the most incompetent, deadly, murderous administration in my lifetime. This looks, this, I mean, this makes what Barack Obama did look like child's play. It is so evil. It's so venal. It's, it, your voice cracks talking about it. It's the saddest thing. It is truly the saddest thing in, 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 in our country right now. We are led by such cowards, such incompetence. Please, ladies and gentlemen, take renewed, take renewed, Faith and work in our country. Faith and work to make this country to to wrestle. And they won't give it up peacefully. Oh, man, they will not give it up nicely. We must fight to get the levers of power back from this institutional rot, from the authoritarians that wish to use those levers now and point them directly at the American public. You saw some pretty wretched remarks this weekend from George W. Bush about the American people and how he views them as terrorists. It's just an in, it's such an such a putrid insult. I, 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 I disavow George Bush. I disavow him. I disavow him entirely. I'm so embarrassed. This was a weekend of embarrassment on some regards because I was so embarrassed over my uh, my activities to help George Bush, right? Because I was, I came up in the young Republicans. I came up in young conservative circles, and George W. Bush was the president, right? When I when I was a young kid, and um, I I spent a lot of days trying to help him get reelected and supporting him. I disavow it. I disavow it. He's part of the same cancerous rot at the center of our government and at the center of our power structures that need to be ripped out, root and stem. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Benny Show. 
We are so glad that you joined us today. We are so excited for this podcast. Please do us a favor and subscribe. It really helps us out. It helps get the word out about this podcast, about the truth. We are 100% independent news. We have no corporate masters telling us what to say. The truth is our guide. You as an audience are the only people we are loyal to. We love you very much, and uh, we look forward to bringing you regularly, regular content. We're going to get this thing up and running every single day. We're going to tell you the three stories of the day that you need to hear and uh, to make you to make you smart and to make you a better patriot. Isn't that what we are all looking for? Thank you all so very much for joining us on uh, this edition of The Benny Show, and we'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.